Welcome to Spring of Life. My name is Mike Luzinski, and I serve as the lead pastor here. I'm so glad you're taking the time to grow in your faith through scripture, preaching, and the conversations on our podcast. Have you ever had questions or doubts about faith? I know I have. We'll be asking hard questions like, why do some Christians do evil things? Why is there division in God's church? And how do I share my faith? The Bible has a lot to say on these important questions and more. So let's dive in. Today's scripture is from Titus 3, 1 through 11. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show every courtesy to everyone. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This Spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is sure, I desire that you insist on these things so that those who have come to believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable to everyone. But avoid stupid controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. After a first and second admonition, have nothing more to do with anyone who causes divisions, since you know that such a person is perverted and sinful, being self-condemned. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we continue on this morning with a series we began last week called Questions of Faith. Do you remember why we're asking these questions in the first place? It's simply because questions can lead us to deeper faith. They're not something that we shouldn't ask. And I know I've heard from some of you that you were, you were that kid in Sunday school that kept asking questions. Uh, that is... I was that kid too. And so I want to encourage us to embrace the questions, to wrestle with the questions, and see how that can lead to deeper and richer relationship with Jesus. So you might recall that last week we began by a conversation around how do I share my faith? We talked about ways that people share their faith and how we can find a personal way of sharing how God has impacted our lives and begin to share our faith from there. This week we're reflecting on why is there so much division in the church? It's a question that stumps a lot of people and we'll reflect on that more today. Next week, why do Christians do evil in the name of God? We'll have a guest preacher uh, who has worked with peacemaking and, uh, and done incredible ministry in a sectarian, divided con 
uh, context. He'll be speaking with us. And then the fourth conversation is about correct belief and correct practice. We can use fancy church words like orthodoxy and orthopraxy, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to talk about correct belief and correct practice and, and reflect on the parable that Jesus offers to help us think more deeply on this topic. So my heart for why this question is a relevant one to us, the question of division in the church, is quite simple. There are many people out there who don't have a relationship with Jesus who see the church as a place that amplifies division and a place that is full of judgment rather than grace. And part of that is the experience of division in the church, the arguments, the fighting, the, the times when the church has kicked people out. And so, kids, I have a question for you. Raise your hand if you've ever had an argument or a disagreement with a sibling or a friend. Has that ever happened to you? Raise your hand. Oh, I see adults raising their hands too. Okay, yep. All right, I want you to tell me, how did you feel after you had that disagreement or argument? Were you mad? Were you sad? Were you, what, what were you feeling? Yeah. I was pretty disappointed when your mom like, got mad. Ah, so you were, you were disappointed. That's what, how it made you feel. Yeah, yes. Ah, oh, you've had that feeling too many times to count. Okay. What, uh, what other, how does that argument make you feel? Yes. It makes you feel both sad and mad. Okay. Any other, any other ones? Yes. You don't feel very good after an argument. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you feel sad and, and mad as well? Mm, yeah. Any other, any other ones? How do we feel after an argument? Yes. Annoyed. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so annoyed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you feel sorry. Yeah. That's another, that's another feeling. Thank you. One more. Ah, right. So sometimes we get annoyed to the point where it, it gets in the way of our ability to communicate. That's good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing all those things. And I lament that many of us have felt that way before when we encounter division when we encounter this thing that we're talking about. People shouldn't feel that way in the church. But yet we know that we as the church, the body of Christ, have had a lot of arguments over the last 2,000 years. I thought about writing a list, but I said, okay, I can only do this for a sentence. And so here's my sentence. You ready? <laughs> we, the church, the body of Christ, we can't seem to agree how God is present in communion, or who's even invited to take communion. We can't seem to agree on which books belong in the Bible and which books don't, didn't quite make it into the Bible. 
historically, we've had battles over circumcision, slavery, women in ministry. Today, we have conversations about how we do ministry for LGBTQ people, infant baptism, and here's one of my personal favorites, what instruments glorify God the best in worship? Is it the organ? Is it just a choir? Is it guitars? Is it piano? Or is it no instruments at all and just voices? The church has had different answers and fought about all of these things over the centuries, even to today and surely beyond. So that leaves us again. Why is there so much division in the church? Mike, we already knew all of those things that you just listed that the church has fought about for a long time. And one of the consequences of that division in the church is that instead of being one united church, the branches of the church have seemed to get wider and wider and wider still. I want to show you an image. This is, uh, you probably can't read it. You don't really need to. But you can see on the top left there, we have uh, the beginning of the, the church movement. And then we have just the proliferation of different churches. And if you were to double click on any one of those, you would then see hundreds of denominations that have spurred forth with this. And why? Why are there, why are there hundreds and hundreds of denominations, thousands, because of disagreements where people in the church chose to go separate ways and do ministry apart from one another. Like I said, this is not a new phenomenon. Much of the New Testament is written to churches that are struggling with disagreement. They're struggling to figure out how to be faithful and how to follow Jesus well. And so we turn to the book of Titus, where Paul is writing to Titus, who's doing ministry there, and you guessed it, the church is experiencing division. So what does Paul have to say? Well, he begins by inviting those in the church to remember, remember that we too were foolish and disobedient. Remember that we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. It's fascinating to me that Paul includes this in this letter because it sometimes sounds like we people in the church, we forget where we came from. We forget that God has already been working on us for a little while. That God is changing us and, and reorienting our desires. That's called sanctification. That's called growing on the journey with Jesus. But Paul invites the whole church to remember. And by remembering, we get a healthy dose of humility. That, oh yeah, I once was like that. And Jesus is changing my life too. And it also is an invitation for grace. Because if I can remember how God changed my life, then it helps me give grace to someone else whose life God is changing right now. And then Paul goes on to cite a liturgy for baptism. He says, remember, Jesus Christ changed your life, gave you mercy, 
new hope and a new future redeemed you and changed you. You are not the same person you were before. And that is the miracle of faith. And because we are in relationship with Christ, we act a different way now. We act differently because of that relationship. So Paul says in verse nine, don't get involved with foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless. And this translation says, and a waste of time. (laughs) Pretty clear. He doesn't mince words there. What I hear him saying is we shouldn't allow trivial things or things that are not salvation issues to cause division in the church. But sometimes those things do. And if we're ever having division in our church over carpet color or other things like that, may we be reminded of the words of Paul in Titus 3, (laughs) that those are not the core things. You know, if I were to do a poll right now of uh, who supports UCF, FSU, University of Florida, USF, you know, of that, I'm sure we would have plenty of division in our church. Actually, I know we would, because I know you, and I know how passionate many of you are about these, these great schools. But yet, we're still able to be the body of Christ. Those divisions and those different, those different schools, they do not prevent us from being the body of Christ together. Paul offers this word about how to deal with people causing division. He says in verse 10, if people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning, and after that, have nothing to do with them. It seems like a pretty straightforward process, and it also sounds maybe a little harsh at first, but the word division here in the Greek is heretikos, which, if you listen to the first part of that, sounds much like the word heretic. Did you hear it there? Heretikos. Uh, And these were people who were teaching and doing things contrary to the gospel. And so we think about that. They're either teaching something that's untrue about God or offering a witness that is not in line with who Jesus Christ is. They're they're living out their faith in a way that's not leading others to new life in Christ. And so Paul says very clearly, a warning, a second warning, and then release them. And so the first type of division, when we think about division, is, is about like what we would call a theological division. These truths about God. You might remember many of the creeds and the councils of the early church in the 300s, 400s. Those were these meetings because there were different ideas about what it looked like to articulate your faith. And they met together to create an idea that was unified. There was still space within that, but it was very much there. So an example this was something that could cause division. They'd say, well, 
In the early church, they, they actually had a division about this. They said, well, Jesus wasn't fully a person. He wasn't fully a person. That's a heresy called docetism, if you want to Google it uh, and go down and learn more. But this was a real problem in the early church because the other folks would say, well, if Jesus wasn't a person, then how is Jesus the bridge from humanity to God? Because I don't know about you, but if you've ever seen a bridge that doesn't extend to both ends, it's not a very good bridge. <laughs> it, it leave, it, you get wet along the way. And so this was something that the early church had to say, yes, this is a truth about God that Jesus is fully God and fully human. And if you're teaching, if you're teaching something other than that, then we have a problem because this is a core of our faith. So there are many divisions that are much more like that, but yet there's also divisions in our church history that weren't necessarily about theology, they were about the practices of the church. I'll give you a medieval example here. The practice of indulgences, of, of monetizing the salvation process so that the church could have the necessary funds. The reaction against this is part of what fueled the Protestant Reformation, which we and so many other churches have become a part of in our ecosystem of faith today. So maybe you're thinking, Mike, okay, get down to the question. Why is there so much division in the church? I wish there was a one-sentence answer to that question, but I don't have it. All I can think about is the radical nature of the gospel, that God's grace challenges us so much that it's really hard to live with that much grace in our lives. And it's really hard to live with that much grace in our communities. And so we struggle to apply the things that Jesus teaches. And many of us in the modern North American church are tempted to sanitize Jesus and to think of him only as the good shepherd but never as the one flipping the tables of the money changers in the temple. Jesus is both. He is sometimes a source of division, but that division points us back to the heart of God, and it points us back to how to live out our faith. And so we, the church, have to wrestle with this today. And we do so in a context of a world that is too often torn apart by division, by fear, by mistrust. And so we, the church, we have an opportunity to be a place of unity even when we disagree. Notice that disagreement is very different than the word division. The psalmist says, how good it is, how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. That understanding of what unity means, it doesn't mean the absence of conflict. We're going to disagree with each other. We're going to have conflict. This is part of sin and the reality of the world that we live in. But understand that we can disagree 
and not be divided. We can have different opinions and create and offer gracious space for people to continue to grow on their journey. And that these disagreements don't mean that we have to go our separate ways. We can hold the tension and continue to be a church. Unity is an amazing witness that would make us distinctive. And to say, yeah, I don't think I agree with everything I've ever heard Pastor Mike say, but I am so excited to be the church with him. We are so excited to be together because we can continue to go on our mission because the thing that gives us unity is our shared mission and our shared values. That is the the center of what unites us. It's the presence of relationship in our shared ministry, not the absence of conflict. I wanna be a part of a church with unity and diversity and disagreements that lead to better decisions. I dream and want to be a part of that kind of church and think about the witness that we could offer of that kind of unity into a world divided by mistrust and fear and isolation. So rather than dividing and pulling apart, will we allow the Holy Spirit to sew us together into a beautiful quilt? Have you ever seen one of those quilts that has all kinds of different colors of fabric that are all woven together in an intricate pattern? That type of image, that type of quilt is what we can be as the body of Christ, unified rather than torn apart, ripped apart by division. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for the challenge your gospel provides us. Thank you, God, for the hearts that you have given to each of us to be the body of Christ unified with each other. Give us the wisdom and the spiritual maturity we need to have disagreements and conflict in healthy ways and be led to deeper faith, deeper relationship, and deeper unity. Amen. If you have questions or want to talk further about this message, I'd love the chance to talk with you. Visit us online at springchurch.org connect or email me at pastormike at springchurch.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.